Hello, everybody. It's Graham Cope with my music. Uh, have you missed me? I've uh, been away a week, so I haven't been doing any broadcasting for a whole week. Seems like an eternity. Uh, if you're listening to this on Catch Up, I probably haven't even disappeared. But there we go. Uh, today, I'm going to be speaking to the wonderful KS Buffers. Hello, Let's have this. Hello. <laughs> there we go. Um, she's drinking uh, a sneaky little chai this morning. There we go. Lovely. Mm, spicy one. Uh, but <laughs> here we go. First of all, little video from Analog Trash. Do enjoy. go as the music plays away i'm going to be speaking to my guest now if you hear uh kind of feral children in the background this morning it's uh, because the teachers decided that they're going to have another day uh for uh i don't know uh, they call it an inset day whatever oh, that is so, so you're part-time dad part-time teacher this morning then i'm well i'm always a full-time dad <laughs> and, and, and a, <laughs> a full-time uh you know office manager yeah and, and a full-time uh interviewer i'm just a full-time everything oh it's hard to switch off when you've got that kind of creative brain it's so difficult to switch off it's just incredibly incredibly (laughs) difficult um and yeah my my kids are incredibly creative as well so they never switch off but so um, i do apologize now if you hear uh hoops whoops or anything else going on in the background it's just because they're having fun (laughs) i actually don't apologize for that at all i was gonna say exactly how it should be and especially when the sun's shining like it is today absolutely i'm good warm isn't it i know it's so nice i am not complaining at all i'm i'm taking it in my stride you know i am not complaining it's like lo- it's lovely to have a bit of an indian summer the, the only thing i would say is god why didn't we have it earlier? in summer in summer <laughs> yeah. you know if, you, if for next year if you could plan it a little bit better that would be marvelous yeah, thanks. that would be great <laughs> tell us a little bit about you uh, when did you first start making music so mine is sort of like the classic musician story. I was sort of born and grown up around it. My dad used to be a DJ in the mid seventies in Manchester. Not that yeah, sort of DJ. Old, you know, vinyls, lugging the boxes around, everything. Yes. Um, so I grew up with like a really eclectic music taste, and our household was a little bit different in the best way. So in most households, as you probably know, we I grew up in sort of an old Victorian house. So you know, you'd have like the living room and then the dining room. Well, my parents converted the dining room into a party room. So we had Whoa. a big, we had like a sound system was there a in bar? there. Yeah, there was a bar. We had a, we there had a bar, a bar, the lot. So most weekends, Friday, Saturday night, not every weekend, of course. My parents obviously would have people around. If they didn't, they would have music playing. And, and Friday night used to become a tradition in our household where Friday night was music night. So the three what of sort us. Of music were, are we talking here? What sort of, are we talking disco? Are we talking? Oh, so. My influences, my eclectic, my taste is quite eclectic, but my influences and where my heart really lies is with um, R&B, soul, jazz, hip hop. But I'm really lucky because, like I say, on a Friday, my dad used to sit me down and he used to literally just be like, I'm giving you a musical education. So wow. he would play me, you know, Listen great now. albums. 
Like, I genuinely, but he would play me great albums, you know, Alicia Keys, um, old school uh, jazz artists as well, Nina Simone, Sarah Vaughan. Um, so wow. he would play and he would get me to listen, but on a, you know, a level of really listening. And sometimes he'd even give me homework. So on okay. a Friday, he'd go, okay, so I'm going to play you this song and I want you to listen to it. And then next Friday, I want you to come and sing it, but in your own way. So wow, your dad's so cool. Hey, seriously, he is he is the best. What's your dad's um, name? Stephen. Stephen, you're cool. Like <laughs> you. No, very, Stephen, very cool, so Stephen. I yeah. always say I owe my uh, a lot of my artistry, um, music knowledge definitely to my parents. So right. I'm gonna make off. a little bit of a weird analogy now, but uh, but you'll you'll get this and, and people at home if you've you know, if you've grown up with music, etc., you'll get this as well. Um, it's a bit like when you're, especially when you're a young lad, you want to taste beer, right? You des desperately want to taste beer, right? Because it just looks like, you know, some exotic thing that you must yeah. try, right? And so you pester and you pester your parents to let you have some beer and they always say no and whatever. And then one day they say, yeah, go on then, you can try it. And yeah. you try it and you sit there and you go, And you like pretend that it's like cool and it's all good. And then you run outside and you spit it over the plants. Yeah. All right. But music can be a bit like that as well. Now, when you're being educated like that in music, was there anything that you, Stephen, your dad played you, <laughs> right? Where you, it was really difficult at first and you were like, I just don't get this. But then later on, you really, you really got it. That's a really good question, actually, because if I'm being honest, probably not. No, I oh, think. Really? Yeah, I think because. Um, so obviously I grew up with a very eclectic music taste from my dad, but then also sort of growing up a little bit older and my friends and things as well. So I went to I grew up in the countryside, but I went to a music college in Manchester. So I was all of a sudden exposed to all of these yeah. different cultures, backgrounds, music. So. I will always say that I've never listened to a genre of music and thought, oh, I, I'm, you know, I'm not really a fan. I, I, I can say I prefer genres more than others. Right. I've never really listened to a piece of music and thought, don't really get this. I feel like, I feel like if you're sort of a creative, you can mm. find um, like a- It's quite weird round. actually. Yeah, I find it quite weird when some creatives go, I don't, really don't like that. Yeah. Because, you know, to me, it's not about that. I, within every genre, there's good stuff and there's bad stuff. Exactly. And, and you know, okay, admittedly, I'd rather listen to um, Erica Badu on a Sunday morning versus Metallica, but that doesn't mean that I still don't Depends like Metallica. what kind of Saturday night you've had, really, doesn't <laughs> exactly. it? Exactly. It's all about the mood. I think that's what it is, an expression. And that's the beautiful thing about music, I guess, isn't it, is for me, music's the greatest thing of all because it can also, you know, it can transcend us through. It's a time traveling machine as well. You know, you can listen to a song and remember exactly where you were, who you were with, what you were wearing, everything just by listening to a song. Totally with you. Totally with you. I think sometimes you pick music up and then you put it down and then you pick it up again as yeah, well. Definitely, you yeah, definitely. You know, I mean, you, you give the Metallica example there. I mean, you know, there will be a there might be a period in your life where you're feeling pretty angry about stuff. <laughs> yeah. You know, and Metallica might just do it. Yeah, you know? the might just not articulate it in the same way for me. But then, yeah, like you say, 
you know <laughs> and you might go for you might go for a month period where you just absolutely binge metallica and amphrax and slayer and definitely and i don't know about you but i do find that i go through phases of listening as well so i'm quite um uh i i'm that person where i will listen to an album on repeat until i'm sick of it almost yeah. and then move on to something else <laughs> and then and then put it down and move on to something else but yeah. then it's like a hidden gem because you know it so well you'll go back to it and it might be two or three years later and and this is what drives my wife mad because she goes well you know you've got thousands of cds she said you can't possibly listen to it. i go yeah i do right and yeah. i will i will go back to it and i'll just i'll have a day and i'll just go that it's just got to yeah. be that today you know what and it's interesting actually that you bring that up about cds so obviously when i was a kid my dad we used to listen to cds all the time so when we left our family home it was quite funny i wasn't attached to anything the only thing i was certain that i had to take with me was the cd collection because to nice. me that was my childhood but obviously it's interesting now how it's changed with consumerism, how we listen to music as well. Obviously, when I was younger, I remember going into my dad's, um, into the into the bar room and going and looking at all the CDs and exactly like you say, just going, mm, it might be what mood am I in? Or I might have even looked at a CD cover and been like, never heard that, pull, pull it out, listen. Whereas now, you know, with Spotify and streaming, everything's so accessible, it's great, but also you have to know what you want to listen to. So unless you sort of let, you know, Spotify do its thing on the algorithm and let you play random songs, it's quite difficult to find the music as well nowadays, I think, unless sort of someone's directly recommending it or you are an active person that tries to find new music. But I do think it's interesting how the consumerism of how we listen to music has, has really changed as well, even since, I mean, I'm only 27, but from me being a kid to now, you know, I remember videos, tapes, I remember my. I remember having um, it was a. Oh, it was like an old Walkman, but it was a Bush one, and I remember having to put the CD in, and the the spinning disc was actually broken in mine. So I used to have to put my CD in, and then like give it a head start, let it spin, and then shut it really fast, and then press play. <laughs> you literally, uh, you had to kind of almost like DJ your your CD. Yeah. Pretty much, yeah. and then now obviously, oh <laughs> exactly. yeah, here it comes. And I'm Love only 27, that. but I think you know, um, like I sound, I make myself sound old, but it's like kids these days won't know that though. Like you know, I remember having to carry around my CD uh, in the CD case without the actual album cover, so I would have to remember, okay, track number seven is this, and it's my favorite, and then skip through each track to get to it and it's, I find it just so interesting how in such a short space of time it's just completely changed do you think though um interestingly I'm um, do you think that some sort of gurus of how to do the whole modern music thing and get the music out there are kind of missing part of the point as well uh, because I mean vinyl is coming back cd is even coming back tapes are coming back yeah you know which is great um because they stretch yes yeah. brilliant i i can't wait to listen to uh vampire by um that that girl in the charts um you know stretched i think it'd be great yeah. um i think though that sometimes they miss the point i watched this guy and i won't name him who's a bit of a music guru on instagram last night and he was going on about musicians stop making music videos because yeah. 
right? And I get his point because he's what he's saying is spend all of that budget, spend all of that money on making lots and lots of social media content because that will get seen, that will get heard, etc. Yeah. But then you could you could get to the ultimate conclusion of that, which is like stop making music, just make thirty second yeah. stabs. That's really not what artists are about. Is it? I mean, I, I'm guessing that a lot of musicians will make music videos not purely because they want to have something to put out there to market, but actually because they want to visualize their music, they want to make art to go with their, their other art. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I totally agree with that. And I think the statement that whoever this guy was making is not completely wrong. I think it's just more of I would sort of be saying, you know, make a music video but maybe do it on a lower budget. So I'm quite lucky because, um, so I I did uh, three music videos off the project. So there's four songs. So I, I just I only didn't do a music video for one of them. Um, and I was lucky because my best friend does videography. So me and her just teamed together and exactly what you said, I did not make any of those videos. Yeah, okay, it was extra content to market, but I did them because I'm a very visual person anyway. So when you see something in your mind and you know what it's like, I imagine as a creative, sometimes it's compulsive. It's like, I, I have to, once I get it out, I'm fine. And <laughs> Exactly. But yeah, it, 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 it is interesting um, with the music video thing. Cause even myself, obviously you have to try and, I think it's a balance of staying true to yourself as an artist, but also obviously being aware where the trends are and understanding that, okay, if you do make a music video that's three long, you're probably not going to get people's attention for that long. Um, but what you can do is, something that I've started to do recently is sort of still make a music video, because that's your intention, that's what you want to do and express your vision. But maybe just take that music video and like you say, chop it up into loads of 30 seconds and then you've kind of got both then as well. <laughs> yeah. Or make content that leads into the longer form content, which... You know, if that guy knew anything about, yeah, he does know some stuff about marketing. He's quite successful. But if he knew everything about marketing, that's what most people do on social media. I run a social Definitely. media marketing business. What we do all day long is make longer form content. And, and the reason I make longer form content is because it's the most authentic content. Yeah. It's the content where you get to hear people actually showing that they know their stuff. Yeah, or you definitely. get to hear the you get to hear the stories, or you get to hear the passion that someone's put into something. And I think it's wrong to say uh, people that won't listen to that content or won't find you know won't want to absorb that kind of content. Yeah, they definitely do. In fact, ultimately, it's you know we're all making telly. That's the way I look at it. Because yeah. nobody nobody watches telly anymore. Yeah. All right. Or, you know, they, they stream. Everything is streamed. Right. All of your TV is streamed now. So basically stuff like this, this is telly to somebody. Yeah, right? definitely. Yeah. You know, someone wants to come and listen to KS talking to Graham Cove this morning. That's their te that's their telly for half an hour. Wonderful stuff. Um, you know, there's there's probably nothing better on on the telly. There's there's probably just some guy teaching a dog how to to lick biscuits and you know you don't want to watch that you want to listen to us talking instead but in order to get people into this which is what i'll do as well after this we'll cut a little clip out and we'll put a yeah, little cool. clip in and it might be a nice little funny or it might be you know it might be a poignant moment and people will go oh that sounds interesting and then they're coming to the whole thing 
Of course, yeah. That's the way. That's the way it is. So we've found out a little bit about your your past, your dad's bar. Yeah, this was brilliant. Um, set the bar very high there, Stephen. <laughs> is this is this Stephen that's on? That's, oh yeah, it will be. To... I'm sure he's watching from. I'm, I'm actually at my parents at the minute, so he's probably watching from the other bedroom. <laughs> Stephen, Sum, Sumner. That's yeah? it. That's him. That's the legendary yeah. Stephen. There you go. Is it, is no relation to the other Sumner. No, we keep saying this. You know, I mean, yeah, I could, I could pry this on. Yes, I am related to Sting, but no, unfortunately, I'm not. I mean, I could be somewhere down the line. Who knows? <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> oh, brilliant! She's gonna, she's gonna start. You know, every breath you take, any minute now. Yeah, that's it. So now. Just, I actually gonna... wrote. It was actually me that wrote it, guys. It was me, really. Did you write it? Brilliant! <laughs> Great song. Should have got an Ivor for that as well. <laughs> Tell us about the music you're making now. Um, where does it? Where? Where is it coming from? Yeah, in so, terms of um, a place within you. So my thing is, I always try and write songs that are not about love, but just can't do it. You know, I just I love talking about love. I love it in general, and I also just think it's such a vast topic to speak about because there's so many different perspectives, angles. Um, and when you're but, talking about love, you're talking about different types of love as well. Yeah, whether it be love right. to self, um, love to friends, love in a in a romantic relationship. Um, but with me, I always write from, so one of my biggest influences for songwriting is Amy Winehouse. Um, she taught me as a writer that it's okay to just say what the hell you want. You know, you don't have to like dress it up in a metaphor or a simile or make it sound clever. You know, you can just say, say it as it is. So all of my songwriting draws from experiences from my own life, raw experiences that I've been through, or even experiences that I see other people go through. And then I'll touch on that. So with this project that I've just released, The Book of Love, um, I actually went in the studio. I, I said myself that I wasn't going to release any music for a year. So I went in the studio and I was like, let's just make music. Let's have no agenda. Um, let's not say oh, I'm going to do a project or I'm going to do something. Let's just make. So I went in for about a year and that was sort of every week I was going in. We were just making, making music and just seeing what happens. And it was actually only after we'd stacked up about 10 to 12 songs, it was my producer that actually came to me and said, I actually think these four work together cohesively. So we looked at them all as a project and decided why not. And then it was quite funny for me because the marketing actually came afterwards. So I didn't have an intention to make an EP, if that makes any sense. I just sort of mm. thought I would make a bunch of music. And then they worked together. Um, a lot of my influences at the minute are um, heavily R&B. And I say this project is a lot more new school. So it's a lot more sort of Summer Walker, Scissor sort of vibes. Um, whereas for my next project, I think I want to go back to my roots. So um, I've just uh, literally over the last three months, I've put together a, a house band. So I have my own band now, um, which was incredible. We did our, we put on our first show on the 11th of August, which was amazing. So that was great as well to hear them from digital to live sound. So you're going to have more of a live sound to it? Yes. So my idea yeah. going forward now is that obviously the songs that you listen to on Spotify, um, sort of 50-50, so like half digital, half live instruments. When you come in, any time that you come and pay to see me live, it's a full live band because this is just a personal opinion of mine, but I find a lot of nowadays when I go to watch gigs that sort of like artists that are on my level, there's not really much to offer 
so you know I'm paying 10 10 pounds for a ticket to come to a show but I'm literally watching someone singing with a backing track over the top of on, an Apple yeah, computer on stage and I think you know what is it that you're giving to your community what is it that you're giving to your fan base you know a lot of people, £10 is, if you're on minimum wage, that's like an hour of your, of your time that you're essentially giving away. So, um, yeah, for me, my biggest thing now is um, showcasing the songs in a live space. And obviously, I know you can probably get this, but just the vibration is so different. The energy is so different. Uh, being able to physically stand there and not only hear and feel the sound, but as an artist as well, being able to take my digital sound into a live space. And because for me, I play bits of piano, but I'm not, I would never say, oh, I'm a pianist. Like my, my skill is singing and songwriting. Um, and I'm very happy to let other people do what they're good at. But it's so great for me to sort of be a conductor. So mm. it's amazing for me to sort of go, right, I can hear this melody in my head, but I can't play guitar, but I can sing it to you. And then you can, we have a song and it's just great. Um, so I am Do you know to... what I think that's great about it though? The, the whole live thing is I think it's there's more to go wrong. Yes. There's more to go right. Yeah. When when musicians play live as a band. Right? Definitely. Because when you when you open up a laptop or press play on a tape, CD, backing track, whatever it is, you know, that bit's gonna be right. Yeah. It's going to be right. It's all sequence. It's all there. It's just all going to be right. So your voice could go wrong. Yeah. Right. But even then, you've probably got backing vocal tracks on there. So you're probably only singing parts or whatever. When it's a group of musicians, you've all got to play off of each other. Definitely. And that's what I'm saying. There's more to go wrong, but there's more to go right. Because it's yeah. those bits where it does go wrong but it sounds right. I was going to say, those... sometimes it goes wrong, but it actually goes right. <laughs> yeah, or it just, you know, or just someone does something a little bit more flamboyantly or just kicks off of the emotion that's in the room or whatever, and wow, it's that yeah. wow moment. And you just don't get that with someone singing karaoke, basically. No, it's... and I think also how we make music, again, has become very different. So when I grew up, I used to write music with musicians, and then I moved into a very digital space. So for the last three years, I've been working, you know, me, producer, and a computer, which is extremely great, extremely efficient, um, and it's a really great way to work. But now that I've gone back to the band, I'm finding myself missing a lot of the live element of it as well. And you know, being able to sort of instruct a musician exactly how you want to play and, uh, you know, everything that you said about sort of like the energy that you might get from a band member. Um, and again, I just think it's about, you know, I, I want to be an artist with longevity. You know, I, when I make a song, I ask myself, would I listen to this in 10 years time still? And would it still stand? And if the answer is yeah. yeah, I'm like, okay, it's a good song. <laughs> I also think, though, that musicians that don't enter into that live space in that way are missing something. Oh, right? totally, yeah. I think they're missing something. And the thing that I think they're missing is I can remember from when I was touring, etc. it was those moments where you would just literally glance a look at somebody else in the band and wink or whatever, and you just yeah. knew where they were going to go. Yeah, They knew where you were going to go. And you just did something and it was just like, you're creating on stage. 
Oh, definitely. And it's quite funny because I've noticed you're the same as me. So creatives, we speak with our hands. So I always used to get, um, people used to take the mick out of me when I was on stage because when I sing, I'm very like this. So people used to say, oh, it's like you're casting a spell on stage. And then now I'm with the band, it's all paying off because I'm obviously, you know, bring it up, bring it down. Okay, that's enough now, you know. So all of these things, I'm like, oh, see, it all paid off in the end. (laughs) Oh, I think it's brilliant. And you can get audience participation as well. Oh my gosh, yeah. And I think the biggest thing for me is just that, as you know, it's the it's genuinely the vibration and the feeling that you get. It's so, so, so different. And that was the biggest feedback that I had when we put on the first show because um, any of the time that I performed before, that was obviously just me and a PA, back, you know, a backing track. And then for everyone to hear the same songs, but with a live band, it was like, oh my God, you can't even, you can't even compare the two. You know, it's just like completely different. Well, I'm I'm really looking forward to hearing that. Well, hopefully, uh, might be a little bit too soon for Christmas for you, but if you are available on Friday the 22nd of December, please let me know, and I will make sure that your name is on the guest list because we're putting on another show in Manchester. Again, it's going to be with the whole live band, and I've got two incredible acts supporting me as well, and they've both got a live band, so it's going to be oh, all that's very music. that's very kind. Manchester's a long way. I know, that's what I was thinking. It's a little bit far for you, but um, yeah, it will be Christmas. What we need to do, what we really need to do is we need to get KS down to the southwest, uh, like we need to get every artist down to the southwest because there's a lack, right, a lack of people coming to the southwest music-wise. Yeah, maybe, maybe you know, maybe you'll have to put on a little show, get a few artists down there. (laughs) Has to be done, has to be done. I mean, Bristol, Bristol's good. Um... You know, Bristol has got a vibrant music scene, but we still try and we're still. I think the cost of obviously traveling and uh, and putting on music in different places yeah. is quite prohibitive at the moment for a lot of musicians. And I'm I'm guessing a lot of musicians would travel a little bit further. Uh, you know, I, I I'd love to see a, a sort of um, special tax uh, or, or sort of reduction in tax actually from the government just for musicians. Everybody oh, else yeah. can suffer. Uh, but, you know, uh, if, if we could just make it, you know, if you could declare that you're a musician, you perhaps have to ta- send a tape in to uh, uh, Or some sort of license that you can apply for. But some kind of license yeah. where you could just get cheaper road tax yeah. so that you could just travel anywhere in the country much cheaper as a musician. That would be great. Thank you, government. Yeah. That's a great idea. And then, Elect if anyone's me. listening. <laughs> <laughs> uh Labour liberals, if you're listening, if you want to get in next time, there's a, there's a good one for you. Um, <laughs> that might get that might get the Tory party out. Not that I'm anti-Tory, I'm just anti everybody that's a politician. <laughs> and, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they're all as bad as each other. <laughs> I look no, I, I seriously, I look I look forward to I look forward to hearing that that kind of slightly more um, real organic sound from yeah. you coming coming forward and you know i can imagine like big sort of bass drum sort of... definitely yeah well all of my band are actually they are like majority of them actually have a lot of gospel influence oh. so we all come from a very gospel soul background so i mean it was quite funny luke my keyboard player uh, me and him always the terrible 
yeah, we go off on a tangent. We'll be in rehearsal and all of a sudden he'll start playing something and then we'll sing. But he's incredible. And there's one song that I've got, which actually is, is unreleased. But if you ever are able to come to a show, you'll hear some of them. So there's a song I've got called Sunday Morning, which we try to bring the church to the studio. So my keyboard player, you know, changed the settings on it and he's like put on an organ. And, he, and he, you could see him looking at me going, is this too much? And I'm like, this is perfect. <laughs> that sounds awesome. Um. <laughs> Steve, Stephen, if you're still watching, I mean, tell us then, uh, is there anybody from your kind of past, your history in music that you, you used to listen to, maybe producer-wise or whatever, that you would love to get producing your daughter's music? Oh, that's I a really bet, good one. I bet there is. I bet there is. You know, it probably is. Like, yeah. the, and it's like probably... a, you know, Herbie Hancock. Oh, Quincy yeah. Jones, anybody like that? Definitely. You, you know, get that mm, sound going. Oh, just just be there. Yeah, you know? there's definitely a few people on my, my bucket list, I'm sure. I'll tell you what, you could try him. He's a really busy man. And uh, I, I even struggled to get hold of him, even though uh, we were in a band together and I went to school with him. Um, but you could try Troy Miller. Oh, of course, yeah. Do you know Troy? Yeah, I remember Troy. What were... What, um... Troy played drums for Amy. That's what I was thinking. I was like, yeah, because I was like, I really recognise that name. So, yeah, because there was a, she had her house band and there was also, she used to also work with um, Sharon and the Dap Kings, isn't she, a lot? Yeah, there you go. Wow, yeah. yeah. Troy was in my first ever band. Oh, wow. <laughs> there you go. And then now you see he's hard to get hold of. <laughs> he's incredibly hard to get hold of. We, we, we did get together and we played some music for his brother's wedding a few years back. Here we are. Oh, lovely. Niall Rogers. That's Niall Rogers. Yeah. yeah I would Niall, Niall, if you're watching, and we are going to tag you into all of this. Yeah. Little, Either little that or side a, production job. Or I'd say, or Pharrell. Pharrell, if you're listening, you know. That'll keep you happy producer. all day long. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. Listen, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you. Oh no! Thank you so much for having me. It's always Half nice. An hour's just whizzed by, but there we go. Thank you so much for coming on. Please, people, if you haven't actually uh, listened to Casey's music yet, please do. That's the whole point of doing these. It's not for me. It's for the musicians that come on. Please do support. Download everything. Pay some money. Go to the gigs. There's this gig coming on in Manchester. There'll be others as well. Um, you know, do support because that's what it's all about. And if you've enjoyed this today, this has been my music. Please do share it amongst yourselves and your friends, and that will keep the thing going. If you haven't enjoyed this today, no. and this <laughs> hasn't been my music, this has actually been an instructional video on how to remove stickers from a sheet of paper. You can now do what you like with this video as long as you share it with other people. Until next time, this has been Graham Cove with my music and chaos. Bye for now. Bye. <laughs>